0: Hello and welcome to the first episode of Has Entered the Chat. I'm Adam Gorey, your host, and welcome to the very first, very new episode of this very new podcast. Just to give you a quick description of what the podcast is going to be about, basically, um, I'm going to talk to somebody new every episode, and hopefully you know that person. And if you don't, maybe you will afterwards, but... Basically, every guest is going to be somebody you probably recognize one way or another from TV, movies, sports, broadcasting, reality TV, whatever it is. I will talk to them. Maybe you'll learn something new. Maybe you'll get a little behind the scenes information. Who knows? Uh, so make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Go ahead and go on YouTube to subscribe to the YouTube channel because most, if not every interview will have video. So if you're sitting at home, you want to throw it on your TV or throw it on your computer. You can actually watch the interview. If you're on the go, listening on your headphones or in your car, then just go ahead and do it via podcast. So couple different options for you and everything that you need will be down below so every link to every way to listen just check the description uh, or search has entered the chat on youtube or your favorite podcast platform it's also going to be a website still kind of getting that up and running but at least in the meantime you'll have youtube and spotify apple Podcasts, google podcast all, all that good stuff So, for this episode, I was able to talk to John Zaluga, who is a writer and producer on True TV's Impractical Jokers, which I am a big fan of. It's a great show. I don't know if you have never seen it. I would be a little bit bit surprised, but if you haven't, check it out. It's hilarious. Uh, And if you have, then you should recognize John, because... Not only does he write and produce for the show, he has been on screen several times, uh, including, I think, this newest season. I did see him on screen a couple times as well. Super funny guy. Um, You'll hear us talk a little bit about a show in Pottstown. Now, this was recorded before that show, but you're listening to this now after that show. So that show in Pottstown has passed, but if you go on John's website, which, again, link's down below, but it's just johnzaluga.com, If you go to his website, you'll see all his tours upcoming. And hopefully he'll come back to Pottstown sometime. And if you're local to that area, you can check him out. Otherwise, anywhere on the kind of northeast coast, uh, there's probably a show within a couple hours from you. So again, make sure you check all that out. But I don't want to rant too long. Um, If you stick around till after the interview, I will give a quick chat about future guests and who you might see on the podcast. So stick around for that. But in the meantime, here's my interview with John Zaluga. Are you in your New Jersey now? Is that mm-hmm. where you live? Is that North yeah. Jersey,
1: I'm assuming? I'm in I'm in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. It's like kind of central.
0: Okay, okay that sounds familiar. So I'm not far from Philly, so Oh, okay. If that's anywhere near Philly, I've probably been close to it, or maybe even driven through it. Before. It would
1: take—it's probably a little less than two hours, I think, for me to get to Philly from here. Okay,
0: that's not—that's not too bad. Yeah. So we—I'm used to like so I live northwest of Philly, about an hour or so, and oh, we okay. always go to the we do the Jersey Shore thing around here. So it's it from my family I always went to like Ocean City, um, sometimes Atlantic City. Yeah, um, I know. I don't know that's probably pretty much it i I never made it to like because i know there's like beaches everywhere i've never made it you know we moved here
1: right before we moved here like four years ago i'm from Staten island originally so this summer is kind of like the first time we're going to take the kids and even do the
0: do the beaches and stuff we haven't really oh yeah because if you did four years ago that was like right right before the pandemic
1: yeah, we moved. I had my I had a second kid and then we were just unlocked that. So it's like I'm in Jersey, but I still I'm still not a New Jersey guy. I don't know where <laughs> anything is <laughs> still a New Yorker, He's still a New Yorker. Yeah. So that's this this summer we plan on doing some of that stuff. Oh, cool. We're cool. Getting, we're yeah. doing a show on Friday in um in Pottstown, PA. Yeah. Is that near you?
0: Yeah, it's um my actually my mom actually lives like right. I've been to the Soul Joels. I've been there before. It's it's maybe like forty five minutes away. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a cool spot. It's a cool spot.
1: Yeah, I've done one show there before, so it should be should be cool.
0: Is it going to be? I I've only been. I don't know if they have multiple stages. Is it going to be under the big dome with the sand and all that?
1: No. So he had. So he had that outside space, and now he's got this big. um, Well, we're doing a we're doing a smaller room, but it's still like a two hundred and fifty seat room. Oh wow. But he's got this big uh he's got this ballroom space that seats like a thousand oh. people when it's full.
0: Oh, that's cool. which is nuts. We're not we're not
1: I'm not doing that. <laughs> I I op- I opened for um Ben Bailey there and it was like 600 oh. people. I have talked to him before. He's a really cool guy. Yeah, he was really cool. And then uh Jim Brewer just sold that spot out. So like yeah, this this ballroom that he bought used to have all like big bands and stuff. There's all like posters inside oh. from like Louis Armstrong and stuff. It was like oh, all really? these. Yeah. So that's it's cool it's a cool spot but yeah, yeah during the it's... pandemic he got set up outside quick and it was the best thing mm-hmm. he ever did he had some big names come through
0: yeah that i mean i don't know do you know if he still runs shows out there in the summer and stuff i mean i know being in the northeast it's kind of hard to have an outdoor venue year-round but
1: i you know i guess he can i don't know if he has any plans to do outdoor if he doesn't if he doesn't okay. have to
0: so yeah i don't know i thought it was kind i thought it was kind of cool because it like we you know, I, uh, my like I said, my mom was down there. So she's like, hey, do you guys want to come see a show? And we're like, sure. We like brought beach chairs and like yeah. t- tables and stuff. It was kind of neat. He set that up real
1: fast. He bought because he bought a place right before the pandemic. And then when things went down, he just he didn't hesitate with building like an outdoor space. And then all these comics that couldn't get work anywhere. He was able to book tons of that's, people so yeah
0: i know i know there are a lot of shows coming through there and
1: now he's just trying to keep that momentum going you know
0: right yeah it's all it's about good. that uh at least he jumped on it you know what i mean some people they just get lost they don't know what to do and that's how he, you know unfortunately that's how some of these places went under
1: yeah no
0: he did it right yeah for sure
1: yeah um, cool i've known that he was a staten island guy that's how i know joel oh really oh okay. yeah we started stand stand up the
0: same year oh yeah yeah. So, did you, so you guys, how long have you, did you know each other? Like, I don't know, like, when did you really start stand up?
1: I started stand up when I was 26. So that was 2006.
0: Okay. All right. So that's, yeah, it's going a while back. And I did sketch um, comedy before that. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed you had a background, which is kind of interesting. Like, because in practical jokers, I mean, we'll talk about it a little bit. um I mean, I guess we might as well just jump into that right now, but that's, that's kind of, more along the lines of improv comedy, um, yeah. So, did you have to do any like formal improv training when you jumped on that, or did you, were you I able didn't to kind have of use... to.
1: Yeah, I mean, pr- prior to being on the show, I took one improv class. I did like okay. the level one UCB class years ago, okay, and it was good for me. But I also realized quickly that like it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I tend to overthink. Like the thing with UCB is they tell you don't think, like just jump in and do right. a scene. Yep. So I I was always the guy in the back wall thinking about what to do while a show happened in front of me. So it was just like <laughs> improv wasn't for me, but it it helped. It actually helps on the show to know what they're going through and
0: sure. what they
1: need, you know, to kind of come up with stuff for them. Um but a lot of what I do too is coming up with ideas for the types of games they're playing and punishment ideas and stuff like that so it's
0: you know there's yeah, there's was, a lot of
1: planning that goes into each scene and then once they're in it they have to improvise but i i do a lot of that prep leading right up to the so moment. that's where
0: that's where like the sketch comedy would probably help out a little bit yeah like, absolutely think, thinking of a funny situation and then letting them kind of just make it what it is basically
1: yeah being aware of like
0: um trying to present them with situations where they can play a lot
1: within that you know
0: yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's really cool because that actually is, you know, people think improv and there's so many, like you said, I mean, there's so many different kinds of comedies. There's sketch, stand-up, improv and, and all of them. They take most of, you know, some people can do all of them, but I, I've found that it seems like a lot of people are really have a niche, you know, because stand-up and improv are just so different. and So different, yeah. You need like almost a totally different type of brain for for each one like you said and you know improv's very I I don't want to say impulsive but you have to be able to just like think quick on your feet almost just go with whatever the hell comes to your mind whether it's right or wrong and you just roll with it and 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 and
1: trust trust your like the other people on stage with you typically right I mean you can improvise stuff on your own but I but you know for the most part it's a lot of that of just like you know, being true to a character, true to a scene and trusting that your partner is going to support you and bounce off of them. Where with stand-up, you're, I mean, you're bouncing off the audience, but it's, right. yeah, it's a, it's a different thing.
0: And, and we've, had so, bo-
1: we've had both in the writer's room at work. We've had a lot of improvisers and we've had stand-ups also come through.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, for the show, I think that's almost what you need, right? And it seems to work at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, have Have you been on it since season one? Like involved with it since season one, or did you come in a little bit later? I so my first season working on the show was season five. Five. Okay,
1: and um, nine, nine or ten now. So we just we just finished ten. Ten is what's airing now. Okay. Yeah. Um. So that was a little over seven years ago. I started at this point. And sort of around since season one like when they when they had their premiere party and stuff i was there but just as a guest of sal's you know we were
0: friends through comedy on staten island oh that's why so that's how you got involved like you just knew sal and he got yeah he
1: was he was bartending uh at the time when the show got picked up at this place called cargo cafe and i actually i watched the pilot for jokers on his laptop when he was bartending like he gave me a set of headphones he just wanted my feedback and i remember i remember not wanting to watch it in the moment there's, because there's that thing where you know it's like well now he's watching me watch his pilot and if it's yeah. not funny i either That's have awkward. to tell him that or i have to pretend to laugh and uh and thankfully it was really funny that was like that was actually the first pilot that they shot themselves, like with their own cameras and stuff. You know, they they kind of paid oh, for their really? first. Yeah. And then they did another one for the network. But, um, yeah, I was a fan of it from that first watch. It was really good.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, and now, like, True TV might as well just be called Impractical Jokers Network or something. It should, that, it should yeah. be. Yeah. <laughs> Any yeah. time after, like, dinner time. <laughs> it's basically just on the rest of the night.
1: It's just that. Yeah, it's on all the time.
0: Yeah, it, I mean, it's, re, it's really rewatchable. But I, I was going to say, I mean, you mentioned some of what you do involves coming up with like the games and, um, you know, punishments and and things like that. So when you came on in, in season five, um, was there a little bit of a, I don't want to say learning curve, but kind of getting to know the flow of everything and, and finding what works? Or did you have like a little bit of a base to go off of where you could just build? I mean, I had... You know, I, I had applied for the show show twice.
1: So I got interviewed season three, didn't get it, came on with five, you know, I marathoned a lot of episodes before doing that packet and before starting on the show to kind of get a sense of it. And I think it helps being a guy from Staten Island too. It's very much like the tone of the show. You got these four guys from Staten Island with there's a certain kind of New York sarcasm and ball busting that's a big part of that show. So I felt that, but I also yeah, I had to kind of like learn how that particular show works, which isn't necessarily the way other shows work because, right, you know, they really started out on their own, very low budget, um, very like under the radar. And a lot of the crew members are there from that first season. So they kind of developed their own ways of doing things, their own mm. workflow and stuff. Sure, and the other sure. thing that I had to learn was just the history of things that had not only been done, but had been pitched. And okay. couldn't happen for a particular reason. So it was a lot of, especially when you're thinking along the lines of things that are just embarrassing. That's a big part of the show. It was a lot of me pitching something. And then the other writers or the head writers, people who'd been there longer going, yeah, we tried to do that season two. Here's <laughs> here's why we can't. So, so that's um, not going to work. <laughs> I had to learn a lot of that. And like, just, you know, the types of things we could and couldn't do. And, and the tone of the show, that was a big thing, is that not to the comedy always had to fall on the guys that that's what separates them from other prank shows mm-hmm. is we're not, we're not mean to the people that we're interacting right. with. You know, it was right. always on them. You watch candid camera or punked or any of these other like classic hidden camera shows. There's always the reveal where they tell people they're mm-hmm. on camera and people yep. always ask us like, why don't you do that? And it's like, well, Hey, it's actually not that interesting on those shows. You have to do it because you need to see that moment where the people smile and they're happy that you just pranked them.
0: (laughs) You got to like relieve that tension. Yeah. Yeah,
1: Where we don't really have to do that. We're not pissing people off. So you don't have to like, we don't have to let the people at home know that these people are okay. We can kind of just cut and move on to the next, the next thing.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of like self-deprecating humor kind of in there. Um, yeah, it's
1: always on embarrassing them. We're just we're just right.
0: looking for people to witness it so that it can be embarrassing. It's not embarrassing right.
1: if somebody's not watching you.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's almost um, seeing people's reactions to these kind of awkward. Honestly, some of them are very uncomfortable watch, <laughs> watching. Yeah, especially some of the punishments. I mean, is there ever a level where you're just like, wait, am I pushing it too far trying to pitch this?
1: Uh yeah, I mean sometimes I mean I think you just kind of have to pitch everything and so much of my job is pitching ideas that by the time the jokers hear it and other producers hear it and the art department hears it and it goes through the whole machine mm-hmm. uh it it usually turns into something else. So e- even an idea that might be crossing the line um if there's something funny there it's it's always worth pitching it because we can somebody'll have an idea about how to approach it. Or how to make okay. it work that makes sense Yeah. so i i think we kind of just at the pitching stage go for everything and right. then you know, <laughs> and see see how people respond yeah
0: see how many people approve it before it gets shot down that's it <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of places it can
1: die
0: <laughs> <laughs> right 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 <laughs> who um are you part of i guess the writing team i would assume Uh, And, you know, forgive me, I don't remember the name of the game. I just remember it's it's the one where they're in the waiting room and they have to call the names off the paper. Oh, yeah. I know there's a name for it. I I don't remember what it is off the top of my head.
1: Are you part of it? They call it Kranjis or Kranjis McBasketball, which was because of the the one time it was. It was. Yeah, it was before it was a game all by itself. It happened once in a challenge where I think Sal just had to call that name out. Okay. And it was a and it was a name that Casey Jost had pitched. <laughs> that he doesn't, he can't even really remember where it came from or why, but that that inspired the game.
0: Yeah. It's uh, I mean that's like got to be one of my favorites that I've seen. So do you get to kind of be a part of the team coming up with those names?
1: Yeah, we make lists, and it's funny we we because and then we'll work with each of the guys because because that's a game where they don't uh the whole thing is to make each other laugh. Mm-hmm. Is they don't they don't want to see. Like everybody, you know, we work with individual guys to give them separate groups of names because okay. you can't just put one big list together and send it to all of them. Because once you see it, it's not going to make all you right. laugh. Not as
0: good. Um,
1: so, yeah, we all kind of come up. All all the comedy producers will come up with different packets for the guys with ideas. And we try to. Uh, you, you try. It's it's funny because you're, you're doing it. So if you're writing a packet for Murr, you're trying to give him stuff that he'll find funny. Mm -hmm. but also that he's going to make somebody else do. Right. So, yeah, we all try to strategize in different ways to figure out (laughs) what's going to work and how we can get stuff on the air, but that's a fun one. We just, uh, it didn't air yet, but this season, Joey Fatone wanted to uh, do the show. He does a whole episode, and he he tries his hand at that game. Oh, yeah. Which was cool. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I'm assuming you can't spoil anything as far as how well he does. I got to imagine... It's really hard, though, to come into that. You know, not off the streets. I mean, I'm sure he has some experience in the in the fact, but like he's got some. But that's a, it, that's a hard one. Yeah, yeah. If you've never done it, I mean, I mean, Sal has done it a million times. And he still sucks at it every time. That I feel like it comes
1: on. So yeah, Sal never does well with a don't laugh <laughs> team. He he can't. He's like guaranteed to
0: lose almost every time. Yeah. <laughs> and does that does that make your job a little bit easier when you are coming up with? I mean. Because I feel like I, I remember there were a couple of times and, you know, again, I don't know who came up with them, but there were some that were just basic names and, and they still laugh at them.
1: Yeah, it's a weird combo. And they don't always like Sal's not always a fan of the ones that are kind of like puns, kind of like mm-hmm. almost like Bart Simpson, Frank right. phone call names, you know? Right. Um, So it's weird. Sometimes I do feel like I'm just like a random word generator with that one. But Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think uh, the one that got me I just this one always comes to mind when I when I see that game is um, Mary Beth 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 Mary Beth 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 yeah <laughs> just, <laughs> it's it's, it's one of those things where it's like they're so stupid it's funny kind of yep. yeah yeah so,
1: we get it's we get to be very dumb at work <laughs> are, are there any that
0: you know or remember coming up with that made it to air that you're just like that one is so good I'm so glad I like we're super proud of that I'm super proud of uh, Or where that got like a really good reaction that you can And have to
1: think about it. Uh, Marina Català who was a, an executive producer on the show uh she loved one that I pitched that they did that and I don't know uh, this is a real random one but it was uh uh Melba Moses Wolfenstein. <laughs> I think I remember that one. Was that was like that was her favorite. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't say she couldn't tell you why. I don't know why, right. but just that one got her. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean that that's got has gotta be my favorite game. Um, and I mean, you mentioned Joey Fatone. You guys, I mean, you guys get especially recently, obviously this season. The the special guests you guys get on the show is just like phenomenal. Do you have any part in in lining people up, or is that a totally separate? I don't.
1: Um, I mean, I've had I, I've been asked for my input of just any like dream guests that I'd love to see on the show or anything, but mm-hmm. but no, a lot of that stuff is handled. Um both at the network level, but also also the jokers themselves kind of had a list of people that you know dream guests that they wanted to work with. Mm. Q had Q has had a couple ones. Bruce Campbell is a huge one for him. Q's like a huge Evil Dead fan. Um, and that was a big one for me too. Uh and he did the show, which was amazing. We had Alf do an episode, which is just wild for me, because I was like as a kid, I was obsessed with Alf. Yeah. So to be working with Alf now uh was was wild it's crazy <laughs> that yeah it's crazy um so yeah i uh I've, I've i've pitched a few you know a network exec asked who i'd love to have on we had david cross on and i was like well i, I would love that." bob odenkirk i think i just and, watched that
0: david cross episode last night yeah he was i mean he was great
1: that's a and that's somebody who can just come in and he's just so good on his feet that right it becomes its own thing
0: right you know, yeah you better, can tell some some people are a little more comfortable with the um the situation than others for sure yeah yeah although brooke brooke shields did a pretty good job
1: that she was one incredible
0: was, <laughs> like the way she went at when it out uh, i mean that was that was hilarious
1: she was great and she doesn't speak like that when we were done shooting that because she she kind of curses him out in that and after yeah, yeah. she was almost like apologizing to everybody in the room <laughs> like i don't talk like that i don't use that language <laughs> Um, but oh she gosh. was, yeah she she was really excellent, and it was cool that she like did more. Most of the celebrities just do the punishments. She was like around for the mm-hmm. whole episode. She did another thing for us earlier in the season. She's been very cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. Is there anybody that sticks out? I mean, you said Alf, but is there anyone that maybe uh, you were kind of most excited to, or maybe had the best experience with that? Cause I mean, you've, like I said, you've been on working with the show for seven years. So
1: Bruce, Bruce Campbell, the day he shot, that was my favorite day on set ever. Oh, yeah. He was everything I wanted him to be, um, had never seen Jokers and, and had a really, really funny, yeah. And I got to talk to him beforehand cause he was kind of thinking about the best way to play it. And it was just, mm-hmm. it was really fun for him to just kind of shit on the show and make fun <laughs> of it the whole time he was on it. And that's what he did on and off camera. <laughs> and he was beautiful and we shot it at um uh, camp pouch on staten island which when i was a kid i used to go camping there as like a cub scout and it was just surreal for me you know now i'm in my 40s but i've been doing comedy like my whole life so just to still be running around the woods of staten island making silly videos was crazy and then right. to be doing like an evil dead inspired thing was <laughs> was nuts crazier, um, yeah and it was a blast. And we all went to Q's house after and kind of celebrated a lot of crew members and stuff. And um, Bruce Campbell started uh, texting Q that night. He had flown back. He was home and decided to check out the show <laughs> <laughs> and continued to make fun of it via text. Like, it oh, just... my gosh. And uh, I don't think I've ever seen Q happier in
0: my, in my whole life. Yeah. I mean, look, I, if whether it's good or bad, I mean, I you're getting a text from somebody that you like grew up admiring, whether, whether making fun him funny or not, you take it.
1: It was beautiful. It was just like, it was just, He was like, he was roasting him.
0: Yeah. Does, does the fact that you're from Staten Island make it, I mean, you mentioned running around the woods, you know, in a place you're familiar with, does that make it a little bit easier being on the show? There's that familiarity there with the environment and everything. And the, yeah. I'm sure a lot of the cast and crew seem like they're also from that area.
1: A lot of them are. I mean, in, in the, you know, with the comedy producers now, uh, I'm in the room. Joan Bergio is in the room. He's also from Staten Island. Casey Jost is the director. He's from Staten Island. Jeff Sellis is uh, the director of photography. So you, you have yeah. all these Staten Island guys, and there have been others uh, that worked on the show previously, like Jay Miller and stuff. And, yeah, we were all working together in our 20s, doing comedy and stuff already. So there there's that connection. And then yeah, I think it just adds to the tone of the show. And I knew Sal prior to working on the show and I had hung out with Q like once. Um, but I didn't really know Gatto. I didn't really know Murr, but I felt like like I knew those I knew versions of those guys, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah, I I I do think it helped. And I I don't think it's any coincidence that so many Staten Islanders come through that show because it's just it's it's a big part of it i mean the guys don't shy away from the fact that they're from there
0: no i mean you know uh, maybe it's different for different parts of the country but being from pennsylvania and having been to new york and north jersey and Mm -hmm. you know you you kind of i know for sure i'm like yes these these guys are are new yorkers my dad was actually from the bronx so like we used to go to the bronx all the time when i was younger so okay i mean like I, i definitely see it <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and you can but it you can tell like there's some kind of camaraderie about being a new yorker that like you can tell these guys all have and i think that's what obviously helps make the show work if you brought in you know i've seen other prank shows hidden camera prank shows that mm-hmm. you can tell they bring people in from different uh backgrounds not in the sense of uh like comedy but backgrounds in the sense of where they're from i mean you get a guy from california you try to put him with a guy from Florida and you try to put him with a guy from New York, it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna mesh. You're gonna,
1: yeah, no, where we can, um, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, even like putting uh, stuff in packets for the guys and stuff, sometimes there's kind of local references or slang we used to use on Staten Island, you know, yeah. and, and stuff when we were younger and it's, yeah, it help it helps to to know how to talk to those guys for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Staten Island's like the forgotten borough. So it's the New York thing, but it's also this, uh, the underdog, you know, right. and I think that shows kind of had that vibe from the beginning, you know, from the start, the guys were told and now it's been a decade of it. Right. But The guys were told they were too old when they started. MTV was interested in the show, but they were going to completely recast it. Really? Yeah. And the, the reason the guys went to true was true TV was willing to kind of gamble on the four of them. Um, That's and I, I don't think the show would have
0: worked. Otherwise. I don't, no, no, I agree. And I mean, you can see. It's funny because, um, you know, I don't mean this in a negative way. When I first saw the show, I mean, we're talking had to be at least it was probably early, you know, first couple seasons. Sure. I, I, I watched it and I was like, OK, it's it's goofy. Like, I'm not super into it. But then for whatever reason, I came back to it a couple of years later and I've loved it ever since. It's it's so interesting. And you can see, you know, now I can appreciate the older seasons, but mm-hmm. you, you can see how the show has really evolved um it it
1: always has and it continues to you know that first season it weren't there was no writing staff I mean the guys did that themselves but also the network kind of wanted the show to be really fast paced you know now we'll have on average we have like two challenges and a punishment you would see like four or five challenges and it would just happen really fast and I remember again being friends with Sal back then and not working on the show it was frustrated for him because. He liked those uncomfortable awkward moments. He wanted he wanted to kind of sit in it in the edit. Um mm-hmm. and it just, you know, it took a little time as the show that first season has all these classic moments, but I think once they got some popularity and they had a following and the guys had more creative control, they started to kind of like slow down and live in those moments more. And I think by the time you get to like season 3, um that they, they kind of they 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 kind of hit their stride,
0: you know. Yeah. No, I see it. Yeah. I mean, you could, again, like you said, when you go back to those older seasons, it, I don't want to say it feels rushed, but yeah, you, you definitely jump around a lot more. Whereas, yeah. Really just in the edit. They're just, mm-hmm. they, they
1: try to cram so much into every episode.
0: I get it. I mean, like I would do the same thing. You know, if I was, if I was, you know, if I had to edit this interview down, right. I would probably be like, I just want to fit as much as I can. Luckily I can, Keep the whole thing, but <laughs> I, I would want to try and fit in every little bit that I liked. Exactly. And, you know, unfortunately, in a 20 minute show, you don't really have that. Yeah,
1: advantage. it's it's better sometimes to like lose a joke, lose a funny moment. Um, if it means you can kind of live in one a little bit longer, you know, it's. Overall, it's be, it's better for the episodes. It's hard. I mean, we we cut a lot from every episode. It's yeah, it's, it's hard, but there, there's so much bonus stuff. Um, that's why it's, it's crazy being on set because every challenge, every
0: punishment, you know, that's a full day always we're at, we're out there for a long time. That's what I was going to ask. So each, each challenge is an entire day of filming. It's a day shoot. Yeah. That's wild. Because I mean, that's yeah. what one third of the show typically one third
1: of it. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we will do double days when we can,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it typically is, you know, it's, it's like three days typically to do an episode.
0: Just wow. shooting it, yeah. Yeah, that's that's wild. Um, well, before I let you go, I do want to talk a little bit about like your shows that you have coming up. I know you. Um, we talked about uh, Soul Jules in Pottstown. Yeah, you have some in New Jersey, Virginia, New York. One that kind of jumped off the page to me was your your pot. You also have a podcast, Super Live Adventure Podcast. Yeah, uh, which in the video you can kind of see down on the name tag there. Um, you have a show coming up in Staten Island on April twentieth. I don't know if 420 is on purpose or not, but <laughs> it, you know, uh, it what? was.
1: We were trying to we we were trying to get different dates, and when the owner of the theater was like, "Oh, I have April 20th," me and Chris, <laughs> we just kind of just kind of looked at each other and we're like, "Yeah, okay, we'll do that." <laughs> um, so so purpose, yeah, I imagine but, people but okay. will come feeling pretty good. Things are legal
0: in in New York <laughs> now. <laughs> uh, so what, what's that? Is that going to be a live recording or what? I know there was uh, music. I think too. I saw
1: yeah so that's that's a live recording and uh immediately after the recording we have the wahoo skiffle crazies playing which is a a jug band it's a staten island jug band that's been around for about 20 years and my co-host is the jug player in that band oh yeah so (laughs) and they're they're incredible so it's going to be the podcast which is going to be a very funny live show and then the band after that and it's 12 bucks if people get tickets in advance and then it's the whole thing is sponsored by Ross Brewing. And with admission, everybody gets two drink tickets coming in the door. So it's kind of an insane deal. That's 12 bucks <laughs> right there. Well, it's yeah, 12 bucks. And you're going to get two beers and a show. We just want to pack it out. And it's, it's going to be an intimate show. It's only about 65 seats. So, oh, cool. Um, you know, I think we're going to sell that out. And we're celebrating the fact that we've been doing the podcast for 10, ten years.
0: We just hit 10 years. Wow. And that's yeah. I mean, you know, the podcasting market now is probably a little oversaturated, but you guys have been doing this since before, you know, back when podcasts probably just started taking off.
1: We've been doing it for a long time. We wish we started even sooner, but yeah, we've we've been doing it for a long time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's never too late to get in, but it's always nice to get in as soon as you can. That's for it sure. helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll, uh, like, um, like I mentioned before, I'll, I'll throw all the links to, uh, to your website, to your Instagram. Um, Thank you. All that stuff. So if people are interested in going to do that, anyone Perfect. in the Northeast, I mean, Virginia, Jersey, PA, New York, they're all like, if you're in the Northeast, you're probably close to one of those, <laughs> one of those areas. Yeah. And I'm trying to add shows all the time. The
1: show's not happening. Impractical Jokers isn't happening right now, so I'm trying to do live podcast shows and, and stand-up shows as much as possible.
0: Yeah, and the one you're doing in, in Potstown is with other staff members, right? Yeah, so that that's a real kind of
1: behind-the-scenes Impractical Jokers comedy show. We used to do Staff Infection in Manhattan years ago, and we're kind of bringing it back, and it's going to be behind-the-scenes stories, um, we got like video clips and photos, and it's it's kind of oh, that's cool. It's a very different night of comedy. It's a real kind of like a variety show oh, cool. um with a lot of people who make the show,
0: yeah. are you guys thinking of doing more of those kind of shows? Yeah, if, I think I, if this you know, goes, if your schedule allows this 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 one
1: in Pottstown is sort of uh the the trial run. This is like the first one we're doing after a few years, and it's the first one we're doing with this particular group of people. And if all goes well, and I think it will, we're going to try to take that elsewhere.
0: That will wrap it up for this first episode of Has Entered the Chat. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank John Zaluga for coming on and having a conversation with me. Again, for all of his information, just look in the links down below, JohnZaluga.com, Super Live Adventure Podcast, and True TVs and Practical Jokers. This episode is part of a two-episode launch for the podcast. As we're brand new, I want to make sure to bring you more than just one piece of content. So, episode two, make sure you check that out, already available. That is with Nick Thompson from Netflix's Love is Blind, season two. Just head over to our YouTube page or any of your favorite podcast platforms to check that one out. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe and get notifications. If you're listening to us on Spotify, Google, or any other podcast platform, make sure you subscribe as well. Be the first one to see when new episodes come out. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope to see you on the next episode.